everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mostly Hinge Conspiracy Podcast, Conspiracy Pilled. I'm your co I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me, as always, is my co-host Abby Libby. Abby, how are you doing today? I am good. How are you, PJ? I am doing great. I'm excited to be here. So what what are we uh what are we gonna be covering tonight? We are covering the Murdaugh case. It's got murder, it's got millions of dollars of stolen money, it's got government complicis corruption complicity yeah it's corruption yeah something it's it's unclear i'm excited to hear this one i only vaguely know about this and i've been waiting to hear your your uh coverage on this one so it should be exciting it's got a little bit of everything though doesn't it yeah and it's a lot so nice so uh, i just want to say quickly before we get into the murdoch conspiracy murder corruption case um that uh, at the end of this show, we're going to be having on a great friend of ours, Katie Zed, who's going to come in and talk about this. She runs a uh, true crime podcast. This kind of like crosses over, obviously, into true crime. A lot of people are covering it as true crime, which it is, but it also has all those elements of conspiracy and corruption stuff that we like to talk about. Um, so we'll be having her on towards the end. We'll also be going over to Rumble to continue the conversation. So if you guys are not following us on Rumble, the link is down below. I'll drop in the chat throughout so you guys can follow us there. Because we always do an extra half hour or so on Rumble at the end of the show and kind of delve in and talk to the people in the audience. Because uh, when we're streaming this live, we're, we're trying to like get through all the points in an hour so we can put it out on audio and all that stuff. So take a chance to hear what you guys think and say and hear what Katie has to, to say. Um, but I also wanted to say really quickly that we have... One thing I would like to do with this show on occasion is once in a while we have news that is related to conspiracy theories, things that's relevant that's going on today or updates of older cases. And I think there's a perfect conspiracy news going on this week, and that has to do with the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Have you been following this at all? Yes, oh, but please go on. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. So for, for people who don't know, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which carries like gas from Russia to to Europe, to Germany and places like that, got, uh, well, <laughs> it has a leak. Let's put it that way. But yet every, every place you're reading about it, everybody's talking about being sabotaged. And I think this is the most interesting case where every side is calling this a false flag attack. And that's why I find this so interesting. That's why it fits into conspiracy news because... Um, there was, you know, obviously the seismic activity shows basically proves every expert is saying that it proves that this was not just an eruption of a pipeline. This was actual explosions going on underwater. So somebody blew holes in the Nord Stream two, I think one and two pipelines. Um, and what's, what's so fascinating about this again is that, uh, Russia is claiming that it was the U S and NATO and Ukraine and they're, and they did it in order to blame Russia. Therefore it's a false flag attack or, as Ukraine and America and NATO are saying that Russia blew up their own pipeline to blame America and NATO and Ukraine. So no matter who's right, this is a false flag attack. Isn't that fascinating? I think that's amazing. Arvel in the comments says it was Godzilla, which I think is, is an option we haven't considered yet. We have not considered Gojira. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's 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 possible. So, uh, yeah, no, what's what's fascinating, though, um, is that uh, I think we we have someone that actually said that they wanted to do this. Maybe maybe there's some clues there. Let's check this this clip out. If uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. How will you how will you do that? Exactly. 
since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do that. <laughs> that was February 7th. Joe Biden said that he promises if Russia invades Ukraine, they will end the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Promises made, promises kept. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what's what's your take on this? Because I think it's I think it's pretty obvious what's going on here. But my, my original thought was that it was Ukraine's idea. And then the U.S. was like, sure, we'll sign off on that. And here's some special forces to help you uh, accomplish it. And here's some money. And so basically we did the whole thing. Yeah, it's funny to me because if you read the Washington Post or ABC or a lot of these news sites, they're trying to say, well, Russia obviously sabotaged their own pipeline to punish Europe. And I'm thinking to myself, why would Russia destroy their only bargaining chip with the West? Like they can literally turn off the pipeline and be like, eh, I guess, you know, if you guys want to keep funding Ukraine, we'll just shut off your gas. Instead, they would blow up their own pipeline. Doesn't make doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If they did, we should be really scared. If they were willing to blow up their final chip. Their only chip, bargaining chip with the West. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I would rather not be that scared. Yeah, also, uh, our, uh, sorry, what are our, our vault said it's mermaids. The mermaids mermaids took, took the pipe, the pipe. for scrap. They, they're protesting Ariel being, <laughs> just kidding, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> they're protesting the new Little Mermaid movie. I like it. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah. that's probably definitely it. I will say this, though. <laughs> NATO has been conducting like undersea landmine tests in, uh, in that region. <laughs> just putting that out there. I don't know if it, you know, it's not related. It's definitely not 100% related, but you know. You mean like... <laughs> Kind of similar to when they were conducting training exercises of flying planes into buildings on the day that planes flew into buildings. And then they said that they could have never seen it coming. Yeah, that just like that. Yeah. Just like that one. So, <laughs> yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, go back and watch the Loose Change 9-11 episode we did uh, two weeks ago. That was, that was pretty fun. So anyway, that's enough of conspiracy news. I want to hear about the Murdoch case. What do you got for us? All right. I think we have a stinger. Okay, so there's actually eight bodies, but only six of them appear to be murders. So that's my intro. So here's, we're going to, st setting the stage, the Murdoch family has been a, a dynasty of sorts in South Carolina for the last hundred years. South Carolina has a little bit of a different justice system than the rest of the states. Instead of a... Um, Oh, what's, oh man, I lost Like an the attorney word. general, is what's, that what it what? is? Uh, so they have a, a solicitor. That's right, yeah. But the, what is the thing George Soros does? District attorney. Yeah, okay, instead of a district one. attorney, they have something called a solicitor? They have a solicitor. So the Murdoch family They just go around and been, like hand out like flyers and stuff like that? They solicit or? <laughs> they no, solicit. <laughs> It's just a little bit more similar to the English system, just in, okay. in name and in some of the structure. So but, it's more of a classical Anglo system than. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They still have most of the structure of other states, but they call it a solicitor. It's over um, this particular circuit is the 14th circuit that the Murdoch family has been involved in for three generations. They've been solicitors and they've been in charge of the solicitor's office. Gotcha. Um. Uh, and that's over five counties in South Carolina. So 
the county that we're kind of looking at is Hampton County. And that is where a law firm called PMPED operated. Um, the Murdoff family has a home in Hampton County. They are Alec. Um, it's spelled Alex, but it's pronounced Alec. That was the, the one main... interesting thing. I'm like, what a what a douche thing to do to be like. I know. Yeah, like someone comes up to you, like they read your name. Oh, hey, Alex. No, it's Alec with it's an X. Alec. Alec with an X. Like what a douchey <laughs> thing. That's like my name's Rebecca. How do you spell that? P A M Rebecca. Like what a douche. <laughs> right. It's worse too because I'm pr- I'm saying Murdoch, but it's it's Mur- it's pronounced Murdoch. So it's like Alec. Wow. I, could, I thought I couldn't it's, hate this guy enough, but yeah. Like I don't know yeah. what this guy did, but guilty. Guilty. Yeah, Just guilty. completely guilty already. <laughs> Also, I mean, in a story about murder, what an unfortunate last name. Yeah. Well, now now you'd want it to be Murdoch because Murdoch murder just sounds, yeah, it sounds too similar. Yep. It's amazing. So Alex's dad, Randolph III, he was the the most recent. Wait, hold on. Sorry. I'll stop cutting you off. Alec, when you have, when you say it plural is Alex, I just realized. Right? I was like, I thought you just said it's Alec. I'm like, oh no, Alec, apostrophe S, Alex. What a douche. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, right. So was the last time a, a Murdoch was was the solicitor. Uh, so the current solicitor is Duffy Stone and Alec carries a badge for the solicitor's office, which means he can you know, prosecute for the solicitor's office or he could before all this went down. But he wasn't actually super involved. So he had the power, but he wasn't really using it. Um, and, and Randolph was retired. So we've got Alec is married to Maggie and has two kids, Bust, uh, Paul and Buster. Buster's older, Paul's younger. And then two brothers, Randy and John. So Randolph three had Randolph four, John and Alec. You got this? <laughs> Randolph <laughs> four, revenge. Family. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So the Murdoch's. The, the main Murdoch family, Alec, Maggie, Paul, and Buster, they have two properties in two counties. So they have their main home in Hampton County, and then they have a hunting property in Colleton County called Moselle. This is all going to be very important, so take notes. All Just right. kidding. Don't do that. I'll keep, <laughs> I'll keep you up. Now, the interesting thing about Hampton County legally is that in South Carolina, as long as with business, if you're going to sue a business, as long as the business is in a county, you can sue in that county, even if that's not the county something happened in. So let's say you have, you had an accident at Walmart and you want to sue Walmart. You had your accident in Colleton County. You can sue in Hampton if you want to. And this is how PMPED made its bread and butter. Somehow they became so good at these commercial lawsuits that companies were terrified, became terrified to even put a branch in Hampton County because as soon as they did, they could be sued there and then they would lose. It was considered a legal hellhole, And this really brought down, brought down the whole County. I was going to say, wouldn't that really screw like ruin local business? Like who'd want to build there? Yep. Yep. Very, very bad. So this this county is kind of recognized as being backwards, stuck, stuck decades ago because it just hasn't been moving forward because of the stranglehold PMPED and the Murdoch family has had on this county. Katie Zed in chat says she calls it pimped. So maybe we should just call it pimped. PMPD. <laughs> pimped. pimped. 
right, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Moving forward, it's going to be pit. So that's that's the setup. Now, body number one. Oh, sorry, wrong button. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Got ahead of myself. Go ahead. Body number one is is a um, a young man named Hakeem Pinkney. He was twenty one years old. He was a deaf kid. And then he was in a car accident. Now, Alec Murdoch did a lot of personal injury law. So civil suits, personal injury. So he represented Hakeem Pinkney because of this car accident. Uh, Four days after a multi-million dollar settlement that would have given Hakeem many millions of dollars, uh, he suddenly dies in the hospital of cardiac arrest his ventilator had been unplugged for 30 minutes before anyone noticed. Unplugged for 30 minutes. No, they have, noticed. He was in like a nursing home. Don't they have the, the like flatline beep thing? Like if you, not just if your heart flatlines, but if you take like things, systems offline. You would think, okay. wouldn't you? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, so we're going to come back to that. But body number two, this is, this is the most complex one and I'm going to skip over a lot. So this could be a whole episode all by itself, whole true crime episode all by itself. But Stephen Smith, uh, he was a 19 year old gay kid. One of the you know only openly gay kids in, in the area. On July 8th, 2015, he was found dead in the middle of a road called Sandy Run, Sandy Run Road. Um, it was he was 10 miles away from from moselle the the murdoch hunting property and three miles from his car now that road is if you were going to go from anywhere to moselle that that's the road you would take there's not a lot of roads around there so the the proximity the location is is a little interesting so was it you said he was three miles away from his car was he broke down and walking somewhere is that the that is very unclear as to why okay. he was not with his car. His car was was fine. Um, he was he was just walking, allegedly. Allegedly, he was walking because <laughs> um, as one does, just park in the you know somewhere and yeah. just walk to town. Now this was a straight road, like really straight, and it was it was at night, so it, it's it's not it's difficult for me to believe that he wouldn't have seen a vehicle coming. Right. Yeah. With the headlights, with that much time. It's not like you've got these windy bends. It's a straight shot. But somehow he's in the middle of the road. Anyway, uh, Dr. Aaron Presnell did the autopsy. He ruled it a hit and run. Now, two officers who were who were part of the, the crew that responded said that Dr. Presnell was hostile and they couldn't get an explanation for his ruling because his ruling of a hit and run didn't make sense to the officers, but they couldn't get the doctor to give a reason. Gotcha. The coroner's office said it was blunt force trauma that killed him. His, his head was just smushed. Um, and they said it was probably from the mirror of the vehicle. So the the only um, thing I've heard about this part of this case is that there was no car parts found. Like yep. as in if you hit someone there would be like a broken headlight or a broken like yep. mirror obviously if they think the mirror hit him so 
normally if if you know really anytime you you get a car hitting a person you have skid marks you right. have pieces of the vehicle you have paint chips on the person you have really any indication at all that there was a car there well and, and any of those indications would point you towards a, a type of vehicle as well a type of vehicle yeah you you also see Generally, when people get hit by a car, their shoes come off. It's a function of of the physics. Their shoes come off. His shoes were on perfectly laced. So the officers who responded were confused as to why this had been labeled hit and run. They they were looking for other things. They were looking for bullets. They were looking for... um, They had a rape kit performed on him. They... They looked at other things, but they're the highway patrol. And because it was ruled a hit and run, the investigation was left with a group of people who would not normally be investigating a murder. Uh, That would have normally gone to an organization called SLED, which is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. That's that's where it should have gone, but it didn't. Um, He had other wounds on his body, including his... um, his uh, shoulder was dislocated, which could indicate that he was dragged from another location and placed in the middle of the road in hopes that he would be hit. Okay, after, gotcha. After, after the fact. Um, that's that's what it appears to me in my limited, limited knowledge. Now, the case file is, is confusing and interesting. There are things that are missing and there are things that are weird about it. But one thing that emerges over and over is that more than half of people interviewed mentioned the Murdaws uh, in regard to Stephen Smith, particularly a rumor that Stephen had something going on with Buster, some romantic affiliation. Um, the Murdoch's name is over 40 times in the case file. It's all over it. So it's just a hit and run, but they were brought up 40 times in relation yes. to this. Gotcha. Yes. Um, <laughs> Randy Murdoch, the uncle, uh, is there's some indication allegedly that he meddled in the case and and particularly asked for Stephen's electronics to be collected. Now, these electronics were not on Stephen, um, so wouldn't have been used to try to track his position at, at the point of impact or whatever. It was like an iPad he had at home, which for a hit and run, why would you even need electronics at home? And then those electronics were then taken and uh, any information on them has never left hmm. law enforcement. Uh, other interesting things about this, uh, several several people who were involved in the investigation are no longer with the highway patrol. They were either fired or and in the coroner's office, either fired or or moved on pretty soon afterward. Um, and there's one lady in particular. Um, so anytime you have anything in a crime scene there's chain of custody reports so if you collect a piece of clothing they fill out a report to say okay we had it and then we sent it to the lab and then the lab had it and they sign off that they had it and then they say where they sent it because this the chain of custody is super important to bring a case through trial or and if there are holes in the chain of custody that can help somebody get off so there's an issue with the rape kit chain of custody um it was it was written in different pens there were there were some fields that were filled out in a different color pen and some that were really vaguely filled out 
Uh, so allegedly it, it went to the Hampton coroner. And then from there, uh, an officer named Laurelyn Heydrich uh, took it to a highway patrol storage facility rather than to uh, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, where you would think it should go. And uh, she she was done. At, so the rape kit is now just gone. It's it's missing. Gotcha. They don't know where it is. <laughs> and uh, a few years later, she was sued over a credit issue. And who do you think defended her in that lawsuit? Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. It's probably that guy named Alex that likes to have a douchey uh, way of saying his name. Probably that guy. Alex defended her. So when she left the highway patrol, she went to Yemisee Police Department, which is run by a friend of Alec Murdoch. Murdoch. Yeah. (laughs) My cat is being pretty annoying right now. So this guy is this guy and his family are just involved in every part of the legal system. They have their hands in everything and it's going to get worse so this kid is missing other forensic evidence that was gathered also appears to be missing or at least never made it to a lab to be tested there are gaps in these chain of custody reports for some of his clothing i'm just thinking about the chain of custody of a rape kit in a hit and run case because it would seem like it'd be a pretty straightforward like hey we did this just to make sure we sent it to a lab turns out there's nothing there because we're ruling this as a hit and run that would be the entire chain of custody if it yep. was that simple that's that's yep. what i'm thinking yeah so go ahead yep <laughs> <laughs> why would you even do a rape kit for a hit and run it, exactly but like even if they were trying to cover all their bases it'd just be like okay right. we're gonna make sure that the the v- motorist didn't get out and rape the guy after he ran him over or something like whatever weird yeah. thought process yeah. going through their head it would be a simple chain of custody right it would be like yeah. hey here's here's the uh forensics lab or whatever and then we ruled it oh it's we're still calling it and run so that must have been simple and then we put it in cold storage or throw it away i guess i don't know yep so uh Oh, another thing that happened is that Highway Patrol, for some strange reason, destroyed the recordings on one of the responding officers' vehicles of his response to the scene. As it's as gone. one does. As, as one, one does. does. <laughs> Just destroyed it. And that's that's audio from inside the car that would have caught his reaction as he pulled up, but also, you know, outside the car camera, you know, all of the recordings cop cars take everything about him showing up on the scene yep gotcha gone Uh, in the case file there's normally for a murder you would have canvassing of the area or even a hit and run you would have canvassing the area you would you know go door to door and be like did you see a car happen did you hit anybody last night? Did you think you hit a deer last night? Like, you know, anybody driving around, they didn't do any of that, but there were some interviews and uh, you can find these audio recordings of some of the interviews. And, and there's one in particular where uh, one of the officers seems to be chasing this down pretty hard. And he's like, look, I'm hearing the Murdoch name. I'm not going to not look into it. I'm just because they're the Murdochs, but there seems to be some trepidation there of like, you don't, you don't mess with the Murdochs. Why would you get into that? Like, did this did this officer end up getting really depressed for some reason <laughs> later on? Like, 
I, I have been like, confused about which officer is which, but okay. there is one um, that we're going to get to a, a little bit later. Gotcha. Or a lot later, actually. He's not dead, but... So there was there was one interview that seemed to where where the officer seemed to be going really hard on on the person he was talking to, um, just really pressing him for information, and that's the last thing in the case file. It just completely goes goes cold. It's a very abrupt closing of the case. It's almost like they found something they didn't want to find, and they were like, "Nope." As 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 one does in a case where they start to get new evidence, they just end it right then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, okay. <laughs> the case the case was closed for years. And uh after something I'm going to talk about a little later happens, it was reopened and it's been open for a year, reopened for a year. Yeah. So what what and, year did what year did this happen in? Uh it happened in 2015, 2015. and it was re reopened in 2021. Okay. And uh, last thing about this one that I'll mention is that when the case was reopened, a hotshot lawyer named Andy Savage offered Stephen's mother to take the case pro bono on the condition that she not talk to the media. Of course. (laughs) This hotshot lawyer, well-known lawyer, then what does he do? He goes to the media and he says, nope. Murdoch's have nothing to do with this case. That's that's totally a red herring. Don't look there. What a great lawyer. <laughs> what a great what a lawyer. Great lawyer. I can't she, imagine why he would take this case pro bono. Right? Yeah. It was such a tra- such a trap. Yeah. Um, and his Stephen Smith's mother, she's convinced it was a murder. She's like, This this isn't like my son. He he would not have been walking at night without, you know, he was he was cautious. This was absolutely a murder. She's convinced it was because he was gay. I don't know. A lot of people try to attribute crimes to things like that when they don't fit. But if it's the mother saying it, I do feel a little bit differently about it. And she knows her community a little bit better. So that is body number two, 19 year old kid. Tough stuff. All right. Body number three is Gloria Satterfield. She was the Murdoch's housekeeper, but more than the Murdoch's housekeeper, uh, for more than 20 years, she looked after the family. She practically raised Paul uh, more than 20 years. She worked for them. On February 2nd, 2018, at age 57, she falls at the Moselle property. So this is the Moselle property in Colleton County. The hunting property. She fall, the hunting property. Okay. It's unclear why mm. she fell, how she fell. The 911 call, which you can find around and I'll, I'll give some resources for all of this at the end but the 911 call is is weird um it's maggie murdoch who calls and then paul is on the phone a little bit too and she just seems really annoyed like this is just an imposition on her day and she's just trying to get back to her day and the 911 call operator is just asking way too many questions and she's like yeah she fell no she's not i, I also she's- find it extremely annoying when i'm trying to go down my stairs and i have to step over a dead body it's like I already don't, you know, like taking the stairs two at a time, but you got to take them two or three at a time. Make sure you don't trip on a dead person. It's, it is pretty yeah. annoying. Yeah, they are. So she's still a lot. Gloria Satterfield's still alive at this point. Oh, she's they're still saying she's yeah, they're okay. saying she's unresponsive, but they are not once asking, what can we do to help her? What can we do? They're just like annoyed at the number of questions. Like, can you just get here with the with the ambulance? So. And the, the operator is, is literally like, 
me asking you questions is not going to slow the ambulance down. It is already on the way. I am right, asking questions send it that out, will like, help right away. them. Yeah. Right. And and then Maggie is just like annoyed enough that she passes the phone to Paul, who was raised by this woman, and and he's also less less weird than Maggie, but still weird. And both nobody's asking how can they how can they help her? Like what can we do? Not a lot of concern expressed. Um, so she gets taken to the hospital. Now there are two hospitals available in the area. There's the nice hospital that people like the Murdaws would go to. And then there's the, the crappier hospital where the plebeians go to. And she gets, do, do the Murdaws send her to the nice hospital? Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. She gets, <laughs> she might actually survive to, if, if they send her to the nice hospital. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she fell on the second and it isn't until the 26th that she dies. She, she has, you know, uh, it looks like she's getting better. That's she a has long maybe time a to be in the hospital to then die. Yeah. It, it looks like she, well, she was falling down the stairs. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. It's just weird. brain injuries can be tough. She does. Yeah. Ha- she did have a stroke, at least one stroke <clears throat> um, in, in the process there. And, uh, and, but then uh, what do you think her death certificate said? Accident, stroke, heart attack, natural, natural, natural causes. just natural, just natural the, the vague, the vague natural causes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So there's some more weird stuff about the way that this, this, uh, case is recorded in, in legal documents, but we're going to get back to that. Okay. We're going to move on to body number four. Now this is when the world started to become aware of what was going on. In Hampton County and Carlton County with the Murdoch family. Yeah, this, this is the one is where it like accident. actually like like before people even paid attention to those first three. Like this is kind mm-hmm. of what got the attention, right? So yep. we've got we've got the boat crash. We've got Mallory Beach. So on February twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, Mallory was nineteen, um, and there was a boat crash. So Paul Murdoch was driving the boat. He was underaged. He was very very drunk. Everybody knew that Paul had a drinking problem. Everybody in the community knew he had a drinking problem and everyone from his parents to his friends to local businesses enabled his drinking problem. That night he bought alcohol with Buster's ID. And, um, so, so he bought, he, he bought alcohol at a, at a gas station and did shots at a bar that night. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. In, in a town and where he's like the most famous kid and everybody would know that he's like what? 19 at this knows. time. Everybody knows. So they crash. Mallory is thrown from the boat and isn't found for, I believe, a couple days. Her body isn't found. Um, Other kids on the boat are severely injured. And it's it's a guy with a broken jaw who makes the 911 call. Oh, dang. Because Paul is so drunk. Paul is so drunk that a guy with a broken jaw has to make the 911 call. So and Katie says it was 10 days before they found her body. Yeah, it was a wow. long, it was a long time. Um, they, they get to the hospital. So, is, so did she die of drowning or did she like die from impact and they just like her body sunk to the bottom? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it might've been a little bit of, of both. It wasn't like, like a, it wasn't like able. a Mary Joe or it wasn't like a Mary Joe Kopechny thing where they just left her there. No, I, I think that it had she not been injured, she would have been able to swim, okay. but she was, so she couldn't yeah, type yeah. of a thing. 
Um, okay, so they get to the hospital, they, and Paul calls, not Alec, but his grandfather. He calls Randolph. And Is Randolph this the third or fourth Randolph? Randolph the third? The third? Is it the, the okay. The grandfather, yeah. yeah okay. Not not the uncle, the grandfather. Now, the grandfather was kind of known as the fixer of the family. So he's he's like getting close to his 80s at this point. He's like 70 something. But he's the first one that Paul calls and then he he calls Alec and Alec and Randolph come to the hospital and there is an indication that basically Alec was going around to all the rooms of the kids and getting their story straight, trying to get them to get their story straight. And uh, there was apparently allegedly some collusion between, by the way, all of this is alleged. Please don't sue us. Like we're just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> everyone who does these podcasts is like allegedly 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um allegedly some collusion between alec and law enforcement to try to make it out that cast doubt on who was driving the boat say oh it could have been paul but maybe it was connor maybe it was connor and uh connor has sued i believe a civil suit about that being like that there's this should never have happened it should never have been even questioned that i was driving the boat because it was so obviously paul there was no reason to believe it was anybody but paul until alec got involved right didn't now maybe i'm wrong on this now i've only listened to like very little on this because i wanted to kind of mm-hmm. get your take without having a ton of other information in my head but didn't the uh didn't didn't they like arrest connor or start blaming connor pretty much right away after after randolph came and tried to get their story straight they i'm not sure if he was arrested arrested but yes it was pretty early in the process where they started casting doubt that even police officers before randolph got involved were like was connor driving and that's even though like everybody in the boat said it was paul and Mm -hmm. it was paul's parents boat yep okay yep the only other thing i was i was are you going to talk about the uh, did you Sorry, the there was footage from the dash cam or something like that of when the police showed up with uh with it was it Connor or something that was you know I haven't seen that so why okay. don't you so add yeah that the only that's the only other thing I want to add and I'll let you, sorry I'll let you get back to it but the the one thing you said earlier is that people are like oh you don't want to mess with the Murdoch family you don't want to mess with them there was uh some police body cam footage or the or the cat the mm-hmm. dash cam or something like that where I think it was Connor that said. Yeah, you guys are going to go after the Murdochs. I don't even know why you're here because they were asking him questions. He's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that he was like, mm-hmm. why are you asking if he was drinking? Why are you asking about the accident? Just like, let's find this girl. That's what we should be worried about. It's the Murdoch family. So why are you even trying? Like, that was kind yeah. of the whole like even every everybody in the boat knew they're like, well, it doesn't matter that he was drunk and crashed into a bridge because it's the Murdoch family. He's the Murdoch. Yeah. yeah, I do remember. I do remember hearing that. I didn't see the footage, but I heard the audio from it. Katie says, says, Connor tells the cops, good luck. That's what it was. Good he says, luck. yeah, it's a Murdoch yeah. family. Good luck. So apparently they had some luck because Paul was uh, in April. So the accident was at the end of February and in mid-April of 2019, Paul was indicted on three counts of boating under the influence, causing death and great bodily injury. So that's three felonies. Um, but he was never booked. There was never a proper mugshot. He had a, a little photo taken on an iPhone camera in a courthouse. Uh, he was even even 
when he was indicted, he was not treated like a, a normal person who killed somebody because yeah. he was drunk. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I just want to address this one comment in the chat. Frank says Fox Murdoch's like Fox News. No, so it's actually Murdaw, and they're just douchey about it and pronounce it Murdoch. <laughs> so maybe maybe that was the reason why. Maybe they wanted to be like, you know, associated with mm-hmm. uh, another rich family or something like that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, side note, this is a family, this is a family that's ostensibly pretty well off, but they're not living a lavish lifestyle, but they are, you know, would be considered one of the richer families in the area. Uh, but not, you know, not flaunting their their money. They they really work more on power, it seems. Yeah, I was going to say, money. power seems to be their currency. Yeah. So... Uh, this is this is when the media gets kind of involved and begins digging, um, but really only for the most part only independent media. It at least in certain directions, it seems that there there are local news places that pick it up and become very successful. This is when Fitz News, uh, a lady who worked at Fitz News named Mandy Matney, began a podcast. Um, starting to dig into this because she realized how big it was and she started the Murdoch Murders podcast and she has that has been like a live investigation as she digs into things and finds things that um, nobody else was willing to go digging for and look because she's not afraid of the Murdochs so she's just been you know she's been on the ground she lives in the area she's been interviewing people canvassing digging into documents. So almost everything in here comes from her, but this is when she got involved. I do find it funny that there have been a lot of podcasters over the years who have done more like thorough investigations into crimes mm-hmm. than a lot of journalists are willing to. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I don't know. I, I love the whole independent media thing that's going on with our country. like as much as they try to shut down, you know, the, the little people, the, the podcasters, the YouTubers, it's like, Sometimes you're getting the best information, whether it comes to news or crime or whatever, from people who are just like not part of the the media system. They have no reason to lie. Is is part of it? They have they have, you know, Mandy has nothing right. to gain by by covering anything up. So, right. all right, bodies five and six. This is when it really gets crazy because it's not crazy yet. It's been pretty tame stuff so far. Just, it's been you know, pretty tame stuff so far. Only a few. Just you know, rape and murder and shoving an old lady down the stairs and covering random, up a boating accident. You know, yeah. random people dying. Normal stuff. Teenage stuff. <laughs> yeah. So there starts to be some rumors that things are not all well with Maggie and Alec after this boat crash. Starts to be some rumors that there might they might be splitting, that they might have separated and not be living in the same place. And uh, rumors of some money issues, which is very strange uh, for a family as well off as they are. Uh, Apparently, Maggie's card declined at an establishment, and she was uh, pretty distressed by that, pretty surprised and distressed when that happens. And uh, so on June 4th, 2021, there's some mediation into the wrongful death lawsuit of Mallory Beach. So... Paul's in in this legal ish legal thing. Um, there's there's a there's the felonies he's being charged with. There's also a civil case from Mallory's family, and that that's the one that's talking about here. So there's a mediation, 
And it becomes clear from the mediation, the mediation fails, and it's clear that this is headed for a trial, which means it's headed for the discovery process where people can start to subpoena documents and, and get eyes on things that, that otherwise would remain hidden. So that is June 4th. Uh, just a couple days later, on June 7th, a 911 call comes in from Alec saying that he has just found his wife and son murdered. So Maggie and Paul, uh, he says he found them murdered at Moselle, at the hunting property. The 911 call is weird. Do they kill any deer there or do they just kill people at the hunting property? (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Unclear. Unclear. (laughs) Uh, Two guns, multiple gunshot wounds, but it looks like uh, some of that execution style is is what it's referred to that the type of way that um they appear to have been killed and uh sled uh the south carolina law enforcement division immediately gets involved in this one and from the very beginning there are issues with the crime scene there seem to be far too many people in and out of the crime scene a much higher number than you would want to have on at a crime scene um, they're they're pretty hush hush. They keep a lot of stuff out of the media. However, something about this makes them reopen the case into Stephen Smith. It is completely unclear why this makes them open a cold case from 2015. And but they've they, never said why, have they? Nope. Right. Yeah. It's all conjecture. Reopen the case into Stephen Smith um, on June 10th. Uh, like like I told you, there's there's a couple bodies here that weren't murdered. Probably uh, Randolph Murder, Murdoch the third dies of cancer. So within days of Maggie and Paul, the patriarch of this family dies of cancer. Uh, a couple months later, so th- this investigation has been active for a couple months. On August 11th, Duffy Stone, who is the solicitor, uh. Basically, the district attorney recuses himself from the case. So he says, I shouldn't be involved. I was too good friends with Alec. I shouldn't be involved. And the argument here is if you knew, if you know in August that you should recuse yourself, you should have known in June that you should have recused yourself. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Well, so the, the thing that I heard about this was that he. Uh, didn't want to recuse himself. He's like, it doesn't matter that I know them. It doesn't matter. And then he he said something in an interview along the lines of um, something came to light and Mm -hmm. I sought legal advice and they told me that I should recuse myself. So I'm recusing myself, but he refused to tell anybody whether it was new evidence. Like he Mm -hmm. he won't, he won't even give like an indication of why he changed his mind and recusing himself. Just that something new was brought to light. Mm -hmm. And he had been actively trying to point the investigation in other directions away from Alec Murdoch um, for the the months that he was involved. And it seems like he realized he failed Mm. to misdirect and obstruct. And he was like, okay, I'm out. (laughs) I don't want to be, I don't want to be involved. (laughs) It's like, "Eh, if I get any more involved, it's going to indicate me in some way. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah. And this man is still the solicitor. Still the solicitor. He recuses himself from this case. Yep. Because of his involvement with the Murdochs, but he's still yep. solicitor, which yep. involves him. Okay. 
<laughs> Not surprised. Sorry. Don't I, ask you any questions. Don't ask me. I do want to bring up this other comment really quick. Katie Z says they're the South Carolina's version of the Clintons. What's yep. interesting? Yeah, agreed. But what's interesting about that is I don't know if anybody here's familiar. Uh, if anybody's really into true crime, if you're familiar with the case in the '80s in Arkansas of the two boys that were killed on the train tracks. Mm. My my wonder is because a lot of people have covered this and like there's almost no doubt that the Clintons were involved in in the murder of these two boys. They paid off the coroner and all of this stuff. So like my my thought on this is like what would the Clint would would Bill Clinton become president if there were podcasters and independent media and, and the Internet and things like that in the 80s. If someone could have mm -hmm. covered the, the two boys that were killed on the train tracks, uh, then the way that people are covering the Murdoch case now or with the Murdoch. Murdoch's Murdoch, Alex, Alex, douchebag. Uh, would they, <laughs> would he just be like, you know, like the ne the president in ten years if if it wasn't for stuff like this? Yeah, interesting thought. So after Duffy Stone recuses himself, Alec is officially named a person of interest. Now the community kind of goes crazy at this, and the media goes crazy at, at this at him being named a person of interest. And it wasn't until almost a year later that the person who had leaked that information was like. Actually, he was the primary suspect, and I was just trying to, like, calm it down a little bit and just say he was a person of interest. The family doesn't do a lot of, like, help us find the murderer. They, like, they really don't do it at all. Kind of late in the game, they're like, oh, here's a reward for anyone who finds the murderers. But it has an expiration date. You have to, like... Help us find it before this date. Hold on. How stupid. Like, first of all, you're right. Like, if if your wife and son had been murdered, you'd be like, do anything to find this Everything. person. Everything. And then and then what's even funnier to me is this guy's so greedy and corrupt that even though like he's allegedly probably most likely the guy who killed his wife and son, he's like like think about this. If he is, if he's the guy that killed them, he's like, here's a reward I will never have to pay, but I'm still gonna put an expiration date. <laughs> Right? <laughs> is that just like a is that just like a way to get people to not look into it too far? Be like, okay, I need to pretend that I care, but if I if I actually incentivize people to look into this, they might start pointing fingers at me. Like that's hilarious to me that you put a expiration yeah. date on it. It makes no <clears throat> sense. This is where things start to really unravel. So June of of twenty twenty one. I'm sorry. The, okay, so the the murders, I have lost my. Okay, June of, <laughs> yes, June of twenty twenty one is is when Maggie and Paul are killed. I think we have a stinger for the next section. Beautiful, I love those. In September of twenty twenty one. On September 2nd, uh, PMPED, Pimped, finds a check on Alex's desk at the law firm made out to Forge, which is a great, great name, Forge. Forge. And Forge Motor this, Companies. It sounds like the third world version. Of, like when I was in when I was in Africa, they had JMC trucks. And I was like, what kind of what kind of knockoff bullshit is this? JMC trucks. <laughs> forge forge motor company go ahead sorry yeah so forge structured settlement company is whenever you get a massive amount of money from a settlement a legal settlement um in order to 
kind of avoid taxes and to get that money in manageable amounts where you aren't overwhelmed by it. Um, you don't lose it all in taxes. You go through a structured settlement company where they basically they take all the money and then they release it to you slowly. Um, and you kind of make an agreement with them. Uh, so forge was a structured settlement, but that's not what was written on the check. It was just forge. So it, it wasn't made out correctly the way that it should have been. And this is what raised PMPD's uh, alarm bells. The very next day, they confront Alec and he resigns. The next day after that, um, another 911 call from Alec. Um, this guy spends a lot of time is, talking to 911 operators. Right? Yeah. He, he calls and he's like, I've been shot. My car was broken down. I had a flat tire on the side of the road and somebody just drove by and shot me. <laughs> it makes me think of that scene from uh, Reno 911. I've been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so- somebody drove by and shot me. And they're like, okay, we'll send an ambulance. Like they ask him about, you know, how hurt he is. And he's like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just a graze or something like well, that. Yeah, that's the reason and- I said is because he said he was shot in the head. Like that's right. the weirdest phone call you gotta you gotta ever make is like, hey, I was shot in the head. Like, sorry, it was a graze, but like, what a weird way to call call nine one one. Like, would they believe if you call them? It's like, hey, I was just shot in the head. Yeah, sure you and were, they're like, sir. okay, stay where you are. Just you know, sit tight. We're gonna send an ambulance. And he's like, oh, there's this other car. Can I get in this other car? And they'll take me to the hospital. And they're like, I think you should wait for the ambulance. And I can't remember, like, he, he fought them on it. And I can't remember if he ended, I think he ended up waiting for the ambulance ultimately. But it was, was the other car? really weird. Just somebody who stopped and, like, okay. realized he needed help, I guess. Okay. Some family. So, so really quick, Josh in chat says, uh, can you clarify what the birds aren't real thing comes from the flag behind you? So, Josh, um, after we get done presenting the case, we head over to Rumble and we talk to everybody there. So we'll get your guys' questions and answer them all there and, and continue to, to chat with the audience about uh, the case. So, anyway, keep yes. going, Abby. I'm happy. I'm happy to let you know why birds aren't real. I'll plug that in the chat um. while we're talking. <laughs> Okay, so I've been shot in the head. And then at this point, Alec has lawyers. So after he's allegedly shot in the head by a random drive-by shooter, his lawyers say that he has entered rehab for a drug addiction. So they claim that he's addicted to opiates. There's been no indication at any point prior that this man is addicted to opiates, but suddenly he has an opiate addiction. He's in rehab. Uh, the he, he then confesses. This is the weirdest confession I've ever seen. He confesses to hiring somebody to kill him. So a suicide for hire plot for the insurance money for Buster. So he's like, look, I hired this guy to kill me so that my son could have my insurance money. He didn't pay enough, obviously. The guy that's, well, that, and that's not how that works. This man is a lawyer. Right. And he doesn't know that if you kill yourself, if if you do it on purpose, you don't, the life, like, that was well, I, in I mean, his I, policy. I guess if you hired some, if it looked like a murder, you would still get the 
the money, right? Sure. Yeah. He should have yeah. paid more. I don't know if he got it, like just looked up wet work on Craigslist and hired some guy. Sorry, go ahead. The man, the man he pointed out, this is he's like, this man, I paid this man to kill me is Curtis Edward Smith, 61. Uh he says he was set up. He says, no, no, no. This guy did not pay me to kill him. I'd certainly hope not if you can screw up shooting someone in the head. Right? Like I, on the side of the road, <laughs> sitting duck. Like I don't think you have to be, you know, uh, a hitman to to pull that one off. How do you fail at killing somebody who wants to die? Point blank range with a pistol. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Craziness. Um. So allegedly, he was shot in the head on September fourth. Okay. On September fifteenth, he's in a court hearing on video with no visible injuries. <clears throat> no, nothing. No grays. Like that's the weirdest part to me is so go back. Hold on with the hospital. What happened with the hospital visit after he got shot? There's no record. Any record of the treatment he got? No pictures of the injury. Nope. So he was shot in the head. It failed. And also he's not injured. Yep. I'm so confused by this. Go ahead. I'm just like, I, <laughs> I truly think that none of this happened at all. Well, that's what it sounds like. Sh- it sounds like this literally didn't happen. Yeah, I, I think I think that it was one big ploy to get either get the public to think um, people killed his Maggie and Paul because of of drug money, um, or is anything wrong? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh. Sorry, Either you said to convince you, the public that he was killed because, you know, that they tried to kill him. They tried to kill his family. They're after all of them because of the drugs. That seems to be the narrative they were trying to go for. And I think that they realized it wasn't going to work at all. So they went for the, I'm such a good father. I was trying to, like, I was trying to provide for myself. Trying to go all Walter White, White on his, with his family. <laughs> yeah, that's so, what, so weird. Okay, so back to the Forge account, back to the financial crimes. So this seems to be like one big distraction technique from everything else that's going down. But basically, he was using, he would he would represent somebody in a personal injury lawsuit. They would win. He would say, okay, I've got a great structured settlement company for you. We should put the money through them and they will give you your money and, you know, everything will be great. He did this with low education people um, who who trusted him implicitly, who didn't necessarily know how much they won. He would, you know, they would be working. He would be like, I will go to court for you. Don't you don't even have to be there. So they wouldn't hear the verdict and what they had been awarded. And he would get the checks to be made out to Forge, which was an account that he owned at Palmetto State Bank. So instead of going to the structured settlement company, it went directly to a bank account that he owned. So he, he created a bank account, called it Forge, but it wasn't yep. Forge. But it wasn't it wasn't the company, it was him. It was just him. Yep. And he thought that there would he thought that no one would notice that the bank account was in his name. Yep, and that there were wow. millions and millions of dollars coming through it all the time. I mean, I guess that's like I guess you don't have to be smart at crime if you're just have, feel like you have so much control. You're like, I don't have to be that good at this as long as like everybody's afraid to look at me. Yeah, nobody will do anything about it. Right. Everyone's on my side. No one will question me because I, I I don't think anyone had ever told this man no in his entire life. 
Yeah, like well, I don't think so either. I mean, it's a, so yeah, it's a dynasty. He just was raised in this corrupt family. It's just like, hey, this is how mm -hmm. things go. No one's going to touch you. And when you grow up untouchable, like he didn't ever have to be smart. He was just always mm -hmm. protected. Yep. Yeah, really. So I know you've got a little bit more. Do you want to bring Katie Zed in for the last part of this before we go over to Rumble? Sure. Let's bring her in and then I'll talk a little bit more about Palmetto State Bank and then get into some of the victims of the crimes. All right. Yeah. Go Keep keep talking. Um, Katie, I know she's listening, so okay. um, I don't think she's in StreamYard yet. So if when you hop in, Katie, I'll add you to the stream. Okie dokie. So Palmetto State Bank, there is no way that they don't know. There is no way that the executives at this bank don't know. Uh, Russell Lafitte is the CEO. There's other people um, who are high level at the bank that it, it seems incredible to believe that they wouldn't have have known what was going on with this account um pmped the law firm that alec was with uh, was the sorry go ahead. <laughs> Pimped. Pimped. was the largest cu private customer of this bank so they have a really tight relationship uh turns out alec personally owes this bank millions oh. of dollars and on top of that is overdrawn by hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're not doing anything about it. The relationship with the Murdoch's in this bank is incredible. So wait, you said he's, he has millions of dollars and he's overdrawn. Like, sorry, okay, explain that again. This I must is the really it. confusing part we're going to talk about yeah. with Katie is that they don't live a lavish lifestyle. He stole millions and millions and millions of dollars through this scheme from his various clients. Yeah. And yet he's in financial trouble, doesn't seem to have any money, owes the bank tons of money, and is overdrafted by tons of money. So I'm just so confused. About it. So Where like are you saying are you saying go? that his forge account has millions in it, but his personal account is like negative a hundred thousand no. dollars? So millions are coming through the Forge account. But, but he's just spending given, it faster than he gets it. How? Like yep. the guy already makes a ton of money doing what he does, right? Like obviously enough to, to explain think. away the, the well, I, I know you say it's not a lavish lifestyle, but two homes, a boat, like, like they're living yeah. well, but like, mm -hmm. holy cow. Yeah. But yeah. Not like flights so, to Fiji every weekend and you know, yeah. So yeah. So here's just a few of the people he stole millions of dollars from. And then I'd love to get Katie's ideas on where this money went. Cause that's kind of the big open question is like, where did the money go? Yeah. Is he like paying off everyone? Is he like, how many people are on the take is what I'm wondering. Yeah. How, how deep does it go? How many years has he been stealing? How many years has he been Keep talking. I'm stealing, pulling Katie in. stealing from one person and then paying back an older account? with with what he steals and so kind of just in this cascading thing but one person that he <laughs> stole from it. is the sons of gloria satterfield so his housekeeper after his housekeeper died fell and died he went to her funeral alec murdoch went to gloria's funeral went up to her sons and said look the accident was all my fault she tripped over my dogs you should sue me and and the suit will make it so that you are well taken care of and my my insurance will pay for it because it was on my property so this will work out great for you these boys trusted him believed him he's like look my buddy Corey fleming is a lawyer you sh he should represent you and you should sue me the boys sued him 
They won. For some reason, his insurance company never asked any questions. He, the document where about where the accident had taken place. So the accident had supposedly taken place at Moselle. Like the accident did take place at the Moselle hunting property in Colleton County. Instead of filing that way, he filed it as if it had happened at his home in Hampton County, which put it in a different jurisdiction. So they could do that with businesses, but are they supposed to be able to do that with like a a personal injury? Yeah. Okay. Welcome in Katie Zed. Thanks for uh, joining us, by the way. Hi. How you doing? I love this true crime case. I'm going to have to have Abby on my show to cover a case. You're really good at it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, True crime stuff is Uh, fun. So, Katie, you cover a lot of true crime stuff. You have you have one coming up on Sunday as well. I do. It's a crazy case. I almost didn't cover it because it's very gruesome. But then I decided that I should cover it because people need to know about this stuff. And it wasn't covered widely in the mainstream media. It was covered locally. So mm-hmm. those are some um, of the it, most interesting ones, to be honest. Like there's yeah, a lot of crazy crime that never gets covered. Um, it's a kidnapping and murder in knoxville tennessee um where these four guys kidnapped a couple and brutally tortured them um so join us on sunday to hear about that (laughs) i've covered two cases in a row where nobody died so i figured we really need to get into it yeah you need to make up for it (laughs) yeah exactly so you've been you've been following the murdoch case what's your thoughts on it so far So I know you guys were talking about where did the money go? Um, I have some theories. I have a couple of theories. Um, Theory number one is that Alec has a gambling problem. And um, I think allegedly uh, don't don't sue me, (laughs) (laughs) but allegedly he has a gambling problem and that's where all the money was going. Um, But another theory that I have is that the reason like everyone thinks the reason he allegedly killed his wife and son is because of the son going to court and like Mm -hmm. tarnishing the family name, which is baloney because the family name is already pretty tarnished. Like, right do a lot of stuff in the Carolinas or whatever, or in North South Carolina. Well, if his, um, if his wife was leaving him and his son was a legal liability, it just seems like the guy, I mean, he's, <clears throat> that's not a far stretch to assume he would kill them. Well, I believe that she may have found out about the crimes he was committing at the law firm and mm. was going to rat him out. Uh, and the son just happened to be there and was a witness. And so, of right. course, you got to take care of him, too. Um, but that's just a theory that I have. Uh, I haven't heard that anywhere else. I was just thinking about, like, everyone was so focused on him killing the son. And then she mm-hmm. was the, you know, extra, you know, witness getting rid of but it could be the other way around he could have wanted to kill his wife it does seem to be the other way around it seems that according to text message on her phone that he lured her to moselle mm-hmm. and then it's unclear if he wanted paul to be there or not there's something on the 911 call that kind of sounds like it could have been paul why'd you have to get involved but it could have mm-hmm. been something. it's pretty muffled it's it's a little difficult it is. It is definitely. And one thing I did want to mention is, it, Abby, you've listened to these 911 calls, I take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How um, 
<clears throat> I don't know what the proper word is, but stuck up. Like when he's describing right? his house, the 911 op- operator, having no idea who this guy is or who's calling, asks him if it's a house or a trailer. Like he's mm-hmm. she's trying to get information of the police to find him. And he just got so like angry that she would even ask if he lived in a trailer like he's like it's a house yeah it's a, i live in a house like and and okay. the 911 <laughs> call when uh the son paul called about the housekeeper also was like that where the son yeah. was like just like doesn't have time for the like he's he's too busy to talk to you like why are you asking me questions just come here and take care of this like right and this is a 19 year old kid like i can't i just can't believe the level of uh, superiority that mm-hmm. these people have when speaking to just the average person well that's what i find the, the so fascinating about the crime in general is it's like it does seem like these people are just so uh, above it all that they they, they don't mm-hmm. have to be smart they don't have to like think things through. they're just like i'm protected uh I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a made man essentially you know it's like i can just do whatever i want and you plebs just have to to go along with what i say because i own you i own this county i own you know yeah. the, the legal system in this state that's yeah. exactly it and and even uh you were talking about earlier i think his name was connor that called 911 after the boating accident mm-hmm. yeah or, was he the one with the broken uh, jaw please yeah what's that connor the was the one with the broken yeah. jaw yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's the one that well, the one that was talking to the police right. and and says to the police like, "Do you know who that kid is?" And the cops like, "I don't know. They just get to a scene of a accident and they right. don't know mm-hmm. who's who yet." Like, mm-hmm. "Oh, that, do you know, do you know Alec Murdaugh?" And the, a couple of the cops are like, "Yeah." Yeah, we know him. And he's like, well, that's his son. So good luck. Like, yep. Yeah, literally, he does say good luck. It's like really he's like just going to get away with it. Yeah. And he almost did. You know, speaking of all this, have. this goes a little bit deeper. So let me. Yeah. Let me highlight just a few of the victims. Okay. So we talked about how he stole from Gloria Satterfield's sons. He set mm-hmm. them up to steal from them. They never saw a dime and they didn't even realize that something was wrong until the boat accident and, and the media started to dig up uh, and, and realized that they had even won money. Like they didn't even know that they won any money uh, mm-hmm. and hadn't seen any of it. And they found out through the media um, don't trust your lawyer. Was, that's the that's the lesson to take away from this. Like when you told me that they were I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like when you told me that they he would go to trial for people and they'd be, he'd be like, I'll represent you. You don't have to show up to court. You don't have to be there to find out well, how much don't mm-hmm. how 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 are people no. comfortable with this idea? Yeah, no. He was such a pillar of the community. Like everybody either trusted or was afraid of him or both. Yeah, that's crazy. So Judge Carmen Mullen is the judge who signed off. Am I still here? Yeah, you're still oh, here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> signed off on the on the accident happening in Hampton County as opposed to Colleton County. It's unclear to me if she was just like, oh, I just trust Alec. I didn't even properly read through this paperwork. I'm just going to sign whatever he gives me, which is still negligent. Or if she knowingly let him do that. But that's at least one judge he's got in his pocket in the county. Yeah, negligence is not an excuse, especially for a judge when it comes to the law. It's yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, Hakeem Pinckney, we talked about at the very beginning, the first body that we are at least aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stole millions of... Think about this. This man stole millions of dollars from a deaf quadriplegic. 
I'm sorry. Like the corruption is is like in some way kind it's of funny insane. to me because of how awful and insane it is. Like it's not it's funny, insane. but it's like it's so absurd that it's almost funny. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like that's just yeah. Wow. Another really stark case, and this is the one that really brought in Russell Lafitte. So Russell Lafitte is the CEO of Palmetto State Bank and the only other person to be charged along with Alec at this point. So Russell's in deep with this, but there was a case uh, for the Plyler family. Uh, they were they were in a vehicle. Uh, the mom passed and the brother passed, but the two sisters survived the crash. They were young. Mm-hmm. And um, so they they won money from the car company, I think. Yeah, the car company. And it went into a conservatorship to protect it. And Russell Lafitte was the conservator. So Alec represented them. Russell Lafitte was the conservator. They constantly had... They were told that the judge had only approved a tiny, tiny amount for their needs each month. It was never enough. And the judge had approved, you know, anything that they needed, but didn't seem to be aware that Russell was just holding back money and saying, you have to ask me every single, you get $50 a week, I think. And then, and then you have to ask me every single time you have a need. So like her dog got hurt and had to go to the vet and she was scared to take her dog to the vet because Russell wasn't picking up his phone. It's like she had millions and she didn't know if she could save her dog and she just did it. But, but Russell would like go out and make her pay for, for lunch. This, this little girl who would like lost her entire family, this rich man bought himself lunch out of her accounts And uh, so the Plyler sisters did get some money, but they didn't get all of the money that they were supposed to have. So they didn't realize that they had been stolen from until the Satterfield case hit the media. And then they went digging into the numbers and realized how much was was gone. I mean, that's why they call this stuff a house of cards, though, isn't it? I mean, it's Mm -hmm. just like as soon as one thing comes apart, the whole thing falls out. Mm-hmm. This is about power. It's not about money. It's right. it's mm-hmm. definitely a power. Like that's a power move right there. You get $50 a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even move. seem like the money matters to these people mm-hmm. as much as the power they have over others. Yeah. No. Yep. And uh, one of the, one of the other people who, who got stolen from was one of the officers in the Stephen Smith case he uh, uh, Alex stole one hundred twenty five thousand dollars from him in, in a suit. So that that was just an interesting, weird connection. Like, oh, you pushed too hard, sir. You, I'm just going to take this money from you. Do you think with the officer in particular, though, this is again going back to the idea of this being about power? Like, I have your money. I can release it to you. But, mm. you know, I, I have control over that. I have control over the purse strings. So you better uh, do as I say as a as an officer of the law or else. It's it's unclear because it seems in in that case, it would seem like it is definitely again. It's not just about he gets to put an extra one hundred twenty five thousand in his bank account. It's he owns a he owns one of the cops, basically. Mm-hmm. I think he owns half of the department. Well, yeah. honestly, yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 I, and the hospital staff too. I can't get over the fact that he was taken into the hospital for a gunshot mm-hmm. wound to the head, and there's just no like nothing about this. Nothing. That's just insane to me. And the fact that the hospital staff at the hospital where the boating accident victims went allowed the grandfather to go room to room and talk to these kids while they're having traumatic injuries. They don't even let family members into hospitals half the time. 
Exactly. Right? Yeah, if this had happened in 2020. Well, like, yeah, they especially would've... then. <laughs> <laughs> but even before then, I mean, geez, yeah. I've had family members in the hospital like, oh, it's 7 p.m. You can't go see your, your family. I was like, are you kidding me? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So at this point, the, the murders made law enforcement really, really set up and pay attention. So at this point, Alec has has been indicted 18 times for a total of 90 charges so far. And they keep coming. Every time I check the numbers, it's more. Russell. Lafitte has been uh, charged with 27 charges. Some of them are federal because he he apparently cheated on his taxes to hide some of the money he was getting from these conservatorships. Uh, PMPED pimped (laughs) tried to distance itself from Alec Murdoch by changing its name to Parker Law Group. So the guy who's the head of that, John E. Parker. Um, loaned Russell Lafitte money. So the, the law firm oh, oh, loaned the banker money to help pay back one of the victims that he had stolen from. So not the, victim. the law firm is is deep in this. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, the, the, um, the like, idea that they, they found a check on his desk and like, oh, you know, we, we had no <laughs> idea this guy was embezzling money or doing corrupt things before this. Just That's just... Yeah. At this point, but, he, it was easier to kick him off, you know, than uh, to be indicted with him. It seems like. Yeah. They claimed he had embezzled from them. And this is an interesting little bit of shenanigan. So before any civil suits had actually been filed, had actually hit for Gloria Satterfield, any of the people he stole from, a couple people conveniently said that he had stolen from them a family member and PMPED and they got their lawsuits in first, which means they are first in line Mm -hmm. for money. So like if there's any money left, his friends get it first and then the victims. So already trying to pull shenanigans legally. And uh, after this is after the murders, Russell Lafitte loaned, um, Alec $750,000 to renovate his house after, after the murders. I wish I had a house that could be re- like $750,000. I was going to say if I renovated my house with that much, I would have two new houses. Well, I was going to say just to tear this one down to the, to the, to the ground and rebuild it, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just a few more facts. Uh, the courtroom, one of the courtrooms where Alec has had various hearings in, there's literally a painting of his great grandfather, or I'm sorry, his grandfather Buster. <laughs> yeah. So like he's being, <laughs> he's having a, like a bond hearing in a courtroom where his grandfather is on the wall. And it's just such a stark picture of what's going on here. There have been so many judges assigned to this case who have like dropped out of it or like found a reason to not like the number of judges who have been cycled through in this case is kind of insane. Uh, People who don't want to be involved or people who knew him too well. It's unclear why. I mean, is there anybody in the legal system who's not indicated in this? It's unclear. (laughs) Unclear. So I hinted that this maybe goes all the way up to the South Carolina Supreme Court. And this is why I think this. So right after the murders, the South Carolina Supreme Court disbarred him, which sounds pretty like fair, but that is not the way people are usually disbarred. Normally 
uh, the bar association would do an investigation. They would make a recommendation to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court would disbar. Because they disbarred him without that, there was not that investigation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, easier again to, to just disbar him than to have anybody looking into why. Right. And it's very possible they were like, look, media, we need to disbar him right now because the media is all over this. Like, it could have it could have been fine. But uh, another interesting link is that Alex's attorney is a, a sitting South Carolina state senator. Yeah. Dick Harpoolian is a sitting South Carolina state senator, and he's representing this man. And he is terrible at it. You were talking about the, the uh, what's it, um, entitlement. Yeah. The, the, like, being above. So this guy's allegedly this incredible lawyer. This is why he's, he's on this case. This is why Alec hired him. But there are such sloppy things that he has done. For example, jail calls are under attorney attorney client privilege jail calls with your attorney not all Mm -hmm. of them just the ones with your attorney but you have to file that like you have to file for that to be protected it's not automatically protected and any lawyer would know that but he didn't do it dick harpootlian didn't file for it to be protected so mandy matney got all these jail calls and then dick harpootlian he knows he can't do anything about it what does he do he sues the jail of course. Because it's it's an intimidation. He knows that he has no right to sue the jail. He knows that it won't go anywhere, but it will slow Mandy down and it'll scare the jail. So Mandy fought really, really hard to get the calls that she was entitled to because he tried to he tried to keep all of the calls from going to her, which all the other ones, except for the attorney ones, are freedom of information. This, this so, is what's so funny about corruption, though. Again, this is like the same point I keep making is they seem like they're just so used to getting their way to not having any roadblocks in the way. They're just like, yeah, we don't care about what the law says. We don't care about following uh, the law or how it could affect us because nobody's going to come after us. And they're like, oh, shoot. Now that people are coming after us, we don't actually know how to do this properly in order to protect ourselves from from further criminal investigation. That's kind of hilarious. And, and what's crazy is that if none of this had come to light, none of this would be covered under the Freedom of Information Act. Like right. we wouldn't know any of this if like this corruption has obviously been going on for maybe hundreds of years, uh, you know, passed down generation to generation. And nobody mm-hmm. knew about it until people started dropping dead around this family. Yeah. Yeah. The the jail calls are interesting because he he never seems to express grief about his his wife and son. He's always talking about money. He's always he's pushing Buster to get back into law school. Buster had been kicked out of uh, South Carolina law for cheating, and he was trying to pull strings to get Buster back in. And Buster was like, "No, I don't want to have to start from zero. Like he's being given a second chance, and he is like refusing to start from." Buster wants somebody to hand him a law degree and a passing mm-hmm. bar exam and do none of the work because that's the way he grew up. That's what he expects. Do you think that's also why they suck at the law? Because they're just like handed the law degree <laughs> and handed it. Kind Probably. of. I mean, kind of. I mean, yeah. He was cheating in law school. So <laughs> what kind like you should not be able to go back like that's one of the like as a lawyer, you should have some sort of morality ethics in place right. before you start. Right. And if you're cheating in law school, you obviously don't have that. There you, should that not be a second chance for that. Yeah, that was not taught to you as a child. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. One more body. I teased eight bodies. One more body. (laughs) The former owner of Moselle was an alleged drug runner. His name was Barrett Bulware, and he died of cancer in 2018. So that's that's one of the theories that that Alec really was addicted to drugs and that drugs were a big part of where all this money was going. But he just wasn't it just doesn't stack up to me because he wasn't really known as a drug addict in his community. Well, he may have been addicted or something to pills or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not like the case I covered last week where the guy had to give the drug dealer his house because that's how much money he owed him. Like that's, that's the one I just covered. Wow. But it sounds like he may have had some sort of issues with substances because mm-hmm. nobody called him on anything. Um, and he's using that as an excuse. You know, he, he's like, Oh, this, this little tidbit of information about me will come in handy right now. Let's it, it, use that. If you're embezzling millions though, I feel like, drugs is only the like the the yeah that's too much money it, yeah like i was gonna say it's the tip of the iceberg because it mm-hmm. feels like there's got to be something i can't imagine spending millions on drugs right that's why i was like thinking no matter gambling. how addicted you are like sure drugs can get really expensive but it has to be gambling it has to be something else because mm-hmm. gambling you could go to a blackjack table and put down a million dollars on one hand if you well, yeah wanted you could to. And he seems like the type of person that would do that. Like if you were, if you were as if, if you were millions of dollars addicted to drugs, like you'd either be dead or mm-hmm. like very visibly like a drug, like a method, you know, I just yeah. can't imagine. I don't know. I don't know. That's like, it seems like it's, it's probably plays into it, but I can't imagine that's like the entire mm-hmm. case of where his money no. went. Part of it, bribes, blackmail, yep. keeping everybody on the hook. Bribes, blackmail, drugs, off. gambling. Get, it's probably all of it. Buy the, get up by the whole police department. Yeah. <laughs> I could get expensive. It's like, it's yeah. like uh, how did um, MC Hammer go broke? It was because his entourage was too big. So maybe mm-hmm. it was like that. Maybe he just like spent so much money on bribes and political corruption that, you know, like power was his currency. So it didn't matter if he, you know, it was going out like it's- water. That's very true. I mean, if you think about all the cops that he had, and then the coroner and the the doctors, because that was better than money to him. Judges, like, yeah, how much would you have to pay each? Like, how much would you have to pay me to be corrupt for you? It would be mm-hmm. at a least lot. a few hundred thousand dollars, I would think. Like I mean, nurses, I personally, like, obviously, obviously, but, I mean, never. <laughs> if if, but also that's me now. If I was a judge and making judge money, it would be more than that, you know. Well, like maybe the cops would too. be a couple hundred thousand dollars, but the judges probably cost more, and the doctors, you know. Well, if you're paying sure. off doctors and nurses, like because it, it seems like he was doing that, that's got to like that's usually pretty ethical people. Uh, so well, he's it seems he like definitely bought the lot. coroner in that county. I feel like every every bad politician buys a coroner. Like, there's got to be something about <laughs> coroners that are like super easy to bribe. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like with the one with the case we talked about earlier with the Clintons. Like, he just mm-hmm. like gave him an extra thirty thousand dollars a year was like the bribe. Like mm-hmm. he paid he paid the coroner more every than any coroner in the United States at the time, and he was just like some tiny town coroner, like a town yeah. of like you know five hundred people was getting like eighty thousand dollars a year in the eighties or something. It was crazy wow. amount for like. I'm probably wrong on the number, but I was just saying, like, it just seems like everybody buys the corner. 
I don't know. I mean, if you're a family like the Clintons or the Murdoch, you'd have Murdoch, to have a few coroners on your. You payroll. have to have at least one coroner because you're killing mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, like the fact that they the coroner Allegedly. put down that that woman died of natural causes. Are you kidding me? She was like fifty mm-hmm. something year old woman, perfectly healthy, obviously yep. doing a physical job. She was a housekeeper. She was like a cleaning yeah. person, so yeah. she was obviously healthy enough to have a physical job. You know. Mm-hmm. Every time a big amount of money would come into the Forge account, Mm -hmm. he would write out checks to his associates. That's where most of the money was going, is to his associates. And then he'd write himself kind of a smaller amount, and he'd pay off his credit cards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's unclear who his associates were. And part of me wonders if, if this started with Randolph, or even sooner, where they started stealing, and then he from from the minute he entered the workforce is like trying to cover for what his dad did and like right. continuing to steal and like it's just this whole house of cards well I, I didn't think of that but that is a very good point that could very well be well, i was gonna say let, let's uh, let's get a little bit more into the speculation and get into what people in the chat are asking us uh here over on our our special segment on rumble so if you guys are following let me i'll drop the rumble link in the chat again <laughs> Uh, while we're still on YouTube, Katie, you want to plug your channel one more time? Let people know where to find yes, it. Yes, please. So yeah, my ahead. YouTube channel is Katie Zed, and I'm sure that um, PJ will put a link in the description or something. For I dropped me. it. I think it's it's right in there. the description, and I just dropped it in the chat. And I stream a couple of times a month, and I go in depth. I am your deep dive guy on true crime. And uh, instead of having a true crime channel where it's all scripted and whatever, I just make myself some. I I deep dive, so it's all in my head, and I just talk for like an hour or two about a case. And the case that I have coming up, um, coming up here on Sunday, I'm going to stream at four o'clock. Is a murder that happened in Knoxville, Tennessee, in 2007, and four. Gentlemen of African-American descent kidnapped a couple. And the reason why I'm covering this case is because the woman in this couple was a 21-year-old senior at the University of Tennessee. And my niece happens to be right now today a 21-year-old University of Tennessee student. And it really made me think about her and how unsafe the world can be. Mm. but yeah, there was there was some gritty, dirty, nasty stuff that happened to these these kids. So yeah. if you want to hear all about that, <laughs> and I try to make some jokes on my channel, and I also a lot of the true crime channels, which Abby, I know you said you watch some true crime stuff. There's a lot of left leaning people yeah. that cover true crime, and I obviously am not that. So you won't get any dumb ideas about well, if guns were just illegal, this would have never <laughs> happened. Which you hear the a easy, lot. The easy cop true, out, yeah. True crime. Channel. I mean, that's yeah, kind of exactly. true about what we do as well. It's like it seems like every conspiracy channel I listen to is like super left. Like I, there's mm-hmm. one popular one though. He's always like uh stay safe stay woke is like his whole thing and it's like eh, no. no don't i don't want to do woke woke left cons- woke uh, yes. conspiracy bs so uh, anyway yeah. thank you so much katie we're gonna go over to rumble now uh follow right. katie zed we're gonna be talking more about this case um and we'll be back next week we're here every wednesday 703 p.m eastern standard time so if you guys are listening to this later uh click the links in the show notes you can find us on youtube rumble odyssey we're on twitch uh, yeah, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. So we will be right back over on Rumble. Bye.